has COVID got you worried? Whatever that is, like you, you identify with them, get them to identify with the, the creative. Then once okay. they're identified, present, present the problem and then vaguely present yourself as the solution. Don't, don't sell there. Facebook ads are a lot like voicemail. It's not a place okay. to sell. It's a place to get engagement. So all you're looking for is to get them to click that learn more button. You don't want them to be able to learn more on Facebook. You want them to click that and they can learn more as soon as they click. And that's the recipe that's worked really well for me. Um, I, we, we average about a 10 to one return on Facebook dollars. So that's, that's the magic recipe that's worked so well is interrupt. It's kind of interrupt, engage, educate, call to action and accomplish all that in 15 to 30 seconds. Welcome, successful agents and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, June 25th, 2020, and this is Mastermind Call number 284. We do have four people in the queue, so let's go right to our first caller. First up this week is phone number ending in 5952. You're up first. Yeah, hi, Jim. Good morning. This is Soji. How are you doing? Excellent, Soji. Always good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. And hi, Todd. You know, my question is for Chad. Chad. I was going to ask, I think, a three-pronged question. The first one in ago, uh, you talked about getting hooked up with fiduciaries. And I was wondering uh, what is the best way of going about that. And the second one, I was wondering what you thought about, you know, just emailing your resume to attorneys and maybe following up with them. Those are the two that, you know, I think I forgot the, the last question. Oh, the third one was I was wondering, like, in California, if it was possible, you know, to be a guest member of the California Bar Association, if you know anything about that. We'll start with the fiduciaries. Fiduciaries, you can find it in place. Any of your leads, and I know you have lots of historical leads, if you go into My Probate Leads, hit Download All, and then do an auto sort. You, you want to compare the PR name to the attorney name. Oftentimes, when a public administrator or fiduciary is the, the PR, then those two name fields will match. They'll put them in as, as both the attorney and the, the personal rep. That's one way you can do it. The other way is, is they have professional trade groups for fiduciaries, especially in, in California. And you can look up X county fiduciary meetings or association. In most markets, like I know people in San Diego, San Jose, San Francisco, like in those markets, it's to be an affiliate member of the fiduciary organization is about $300 a year. And they usually meet monthly. And normally they meet in person. I'm sure that has shifted to Zoom meetings now. But you can become an affiliate member of that. I've only heard of one person ever being rejected from being an affiliate member of a bar. And I believe it was in South, it was around Tampa, Florida. We've had people join the Bar Association as an affiliate in the state of California. So I think you'll be able to do that as well. And with each of those, what you want to do is focus on what value can you bring to the group that nobody else has been bringing. 
So you're not an attorney, or you're likely you're not. I know your family, you come from a long line of attorneys, so you talk, the, you talk the talk. But don't go in there trying to be an attorney. Go in there trying to show them how your service can support the growth of or optimization of their firm. Whether they're a fiduciary or an attorney, it's pretty unemotional for them. So they're easy to get through to if you can find the unique value to provide to them. And then as far as sending your resume to attorneys, I don't recommend it because there's just it's there's far better things you can do when you reach out to attorneys like telling them how awesome you are at your job and how many you know how much success you've had it doesn't do a whole lot for them you need to tell them how your skill set is going to grow their business is going to make them work less is going to bring more value to their client so rather than focusing on yourself when you reach out to an attorney you focus 100% on them and their firm and their client don't make it about you at all and I know that's that's hard, but it's very effective because everybody else is doing that. Everybody else is sending resumes and, you know, their last year's worth of deals, trying to prove their worth as a real estate agent. And what you want to do is create the vision that you're a supplement to their business model. So you are a team member of theirs and they are a team member of yours. So don't focus so much on a traditional, this is what I've accomplished sort of, you know, resume or professional profile. Focus on what can I do to help this attorney that's going to get his attention and we can both benefit from that relationship. Okay, so how do you get your foot in the door then? So the two ideas we discuss the most, one is, is offering estate planning to your sphere of influence. So your past clients, your friends, your family, professional groups, like if you're in mastermind or, or networking groups, you know, very few Americans have a proper estate plan. And probate is going to cost between 5 and 7% of the gross value of their, of their estate. So shouldn't we raise our standard of service and offer that to everyone that we place into these large asset purchases? Like, is there anyone who owns real estate that, that shouldn't really, that has a high net worth that shouldn't have a proper estate plan? Because a, tr a living trust, even if you go all the way to that, is typically less than three grand, even for, you know, for wealthy individuals. So probate is far more expensive than having a living trust. So if you can get your sphere of influence to say, you know what, Soji, that's, that's amazing that you're offering this. Offer them a free one-hour consultation with your, your legal team. And when you see how many raise their hands, you go open the door to the attorney's office. You open that, that relationship by bringing them a referral that's ready to go. They're not, it's not, here's a list of my past clients. It's, I have spoken to this person. They are ready to have the conversation. And that shows extremely well because a lot of people don't realize this. I just learned a year or so ago that that industry, they can't direct market to get leads. So they can't mail the probate list like we can. They pretty much rely on referrals or broadcast marketing or, you know, branding. So it's an extremely valuable gesture to the attorney. It provides value to your client base, and everybody wins. You make a great first impression. If you don't have past clients, which I know you do, Soji, but there's a lot of people on this call, like if you don't want to do that much work or you don't, that, that's intimidating to you. Uh, the other easier way, faster way, is to go in, in with, like, take your last list of probate leads. What you'll find is about 20% of them had initiated the probate process without legal representation. Those are known as pro se in the petition phase and pro per during the probate phase. So 20% of those people in California, oftentimes, they get in over their head and realize they do need an attorney. And then the attorney ends up having to work even more and charge more money because he has to clean up the mistakes they've made and move forward. So a lot of times they end up hiring attorneys anyways, but these attorneys can't direct market to the people like we can. 
So you can provide value to them by offering to co-market and sit down with them. You go into the office, you you know let them know that you have a team of people here locally that help families going through probate. And as part of that, you visit the county clerk each month. And what you've noticed is that one, their, their firm name and the attorney name keeps popping up. So you thought they must be a good authority in the space, stroke their ego a little bit. And two, at least one won't have legal representation, and we both know that's a bad idea. So I'm looking for an attorney that will sit down and design a kind of a probate timeline or a probate checklist with me, just a half an hour, 45 minutes of your time, and I will include it in every letter that I send from here, from here forth. And that is a, a legal way for that attorney to direct market by tagging on to your marketing, and it's a way for them to generate a lot of business. More importantly, most importantly, it's an opportunity for you to sit down with somebody and spend like spend time collaborating on a, on something that will benefit both of you and create a real organic relationship. Naturally, what's going to happen while you're doing that is they're going to be like, well, what's this for? Tell me more about what you do. And that gives you an opportunity to talk about what you do and how good you are at it. Both of those are, are value-first, organic ways to generate these ideas. Not that sending your resume or sending emails or making phone calls won't work. They just that, All those things won't be nearly as effective as the last two ideas we shared. And, Tim, you had something you wanted to add also? Yeah. Soji, you asked about affiliate membership, and they actually have a specific category that is called an associate membership in California Bar. I'm looking at the form online, and associate is a real estate individual or a service provider, and it's $300 a year. Thank you very much, guys, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Great to hear from you. We got a full queue. We got eight people in there. Up next is phone number ending in 8546. You're up next. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for taking my call. In the same thread as the caller before in marketing attorneys, I know that uh, from the master course that I took and listening to you guys, that the emails and letters are really not effective, and the best method was actually walking into the office introducing. That's kind of died down a little bit now because of COVID, obviously. You know, we get the emails on the on the uh, lead list. There's attorneys with emails, and I'd like to create a custom list and upload that to Facebook. So I create an ad that's top of mind to the attorneys on their Facebook account or on their LinkedIn account because of the emails and the phone number that we that I'm, that we can get from all the leads that you send us. Has anybody tried that before? Just matter to be in top of mind, and every time he's on uh, he or she are on the on Facebook, the attorneys. And they keep on seeing my ad coming up. You know, we have families in probate, you know, help attorneys make their life easier, et cetera. I highly recommend it. So when you're creating your audience, I want to make sure that you're not just trying to match the email address and phone number. You know, use the first name, last name, email, phone number, all the fields you can. You'll get a higher match rate. It's likely that you'll you'll match on name. Even if there's no email there, you could probably still get a name match tied to that phone number. So Facebook keeps okay. over 600 unique data points on each of us. Even if it's not in our profile, we can still match to those points in their database. So just be sure, don't don't exclude the ones that don't have an email because you might match them on name or phone number or both. Yeah. But yes, mm-hmm. it should be effective. So far, I don't know anyone who has ran a campaign like that to attorneys. In the last several mastermind calls, we've talked about it two or three different times where we kind of unpack the idea of how to do this when you're creating an audience and, and pointing your ads at the personal representatives. But I tell you exactly how to, like we talk about the, the audience creation, the creative, the copy, the budget, all those things are, are kind of in, in the archive. So 
look for those. Cat does a really good job of time stamping every call. So go back through and look at okay. the keywords and see where we talk about Facebook ads, and you'll kind of hear the long form of how you can approach this. But try okay. to be super local and, you know, identify with them in the, in the first two or three seconds. Identify with them. Like, let them know they, they're being targeted because they are a local probate attorney. And try to try to bounce them off of Facebook onto a video landing page where you are talking to the camera. No no script, no teleprompter, just be you. And just look into the camera and pitch the same way you would if you were meeting him in his office. Okay. Well, the benefits of the I can provide, et cetera. Just kind of like, like one-on-one, all natural. Exactly. All right. Beautiful. Um, and <clears throat> I'm sorry. And going back to those calls you mentioned you had before, Mastermind, targeting um, – Personal representative. Well, that was my next question. I, I I thought it might be more effective targeting attorneys and personal representatives. You still want to be top of mind, I imagine, but it's more emotional contact you need to create with them because they're going through a hard time. An attorney is more subjective. That's right. So it's a different copy altogether. I think so. I mean, what you need to know is keep your copy short. So your headline should be less than five words. Ideally, it should be a question, and then your your description. Again, less than five words. If the headline's a question, then use the description to create more curiosity around that question. Tie all the pieces together. Your creative should be, in the first two seconds, they, they should be able to identify with it. So probate attorneys in Santa Rosa, California, like they're, gonna, they're going to see that. If it's not the first time, mm-hmm. it'll be the second or third or fourth time that day that they see it. Eventually, they will mm-hmm. see it and they'll identify. So the first two seconds, identify your, your subject. The next two seconds, present the problem. The next two seconds, propose a solution. And then tr- and then whether it's, you know, you can go 15 seconds or 30 seconds. I wouldn't go beyond that. Just use curiosity. That video is just for creating curiosity. Then they click learn more. They land on a landing page where you're speaking directly to them. And I would recommend on that landing page have a video and then summarize what's in the video and copy. So if they can, they want to read it, they can read it. If they if they like learning from watching videos, they can watch the video. Give them options, and the call to action should be click right here, click here to get on my calendar right now, or call the number above. I'm waiting for your call, and just really simple, clear call to action. This is what you do from here. Okay, I'm writing this down really fast. Okay, um, just to go over, you said the first two seconds are or should be geared towards what. In the first two seconds, you need to ident- they need to identify with your creative. So are you an attorney or are you a probate attorney? Are you an estate planning attorney? Are you in California? Do you want to, are you trying to grow your firm? Has COVID got you worried? Whatever that is, like you, you identify with them, get them to identify with the, the creative. Then once they're identified, present, present the problem and then vaguely present yourself as the solution. Don't don't sell there. Facebook ads are a lot like voicemail. It's not a place to sell. It's a place to get engagement. So all you're looking for is to get them to click that learn more button. You don't want them to be able to learn more on Facebook. You want them to click that and they can learn more as soon as they click. And that's the recipe that's worked really well for me. Um, we, We average about a 10 to one return on Facebook dollars. So that's that's the magic recipe that's worked so well. Is interrupt. It's kind of interrupt, engage, educate, call to action, and accomplish all that in 15 to 30 seconds. It's and you and don't be afraid to test things. Like run one video for a week and then switch it out and run it again, or or set up an A/B test and run them in parallel and see. Okay. You, you never know what's what's going to work. Like don't give up if if it doesn't work on your first try. 
don't give up because something something always works. It just sometimes right. takes us three to six months on Facebook to find out what will work. Got it. Okay. Beautiful. So I'm going to mention a different medium that has up until now been kind of cost prohibitive. I know some people, not with probate, but I know some agents that are having some success with um, addressable geofencing, where basically you drop a, a geofence around a specific, a specific address, and you can target any phone that has been inside of that address, let's say an attorney's office. Any phone that's been in that address, you can target that phone with, um, with ads that drop onto news news websites that they might visit, any website they might visit from their phone for up to 30 days with um, with the same type of ad that you would build for Facebook. It's a little bit more advanced, so I don't want to go down the rabbit trail here, but if you want to be able to, to send those same ads and that same message out to attorneys or their clients, um, that would be another way that you could do it. And there's several different websites that, that I know of that you can set geofences up through. Okay. I know that uh, Facebook has a geofencing feature as well, but they don't. It, it's not allowed in housing. So when I do a real estate ad, I can't do that. So, but this is not necessarily housing, so it might be able to do that on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank might you. be able to. Yeah. All right, perfect. Next up is phone number ending in two nine one three. You're up next. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello. Okay, great. This is Mark yes, sir. Davis. Um, I'm a brand new member. I just I've been listening to your calls for some time, but I just signed up with Jordan. I guess you know Jordan. He's great, by the way. So I don't know if you give him a bonus well, or something, but he's been fantastic. Well, he's um, he's actually married to my daughter, so I'll I'll let him know. All right, good. Well, tell him Mark Davis. <laughs> and um, okay, I'm, sure will. Um, anyway, I just set up for the uh, the mail campaign, and I'm using you all for the uh, first call. Um, I guess my question is, I, was, I have my own VA that I was going to have follow up. I've given her some of the script. Anything you can tell me about just starting out or moving forward, or how to manage the leads? especially through my VA. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being better than you'll ever be to 1 being first phone call, where would you rate her as a salesperson? Like how good is your VA? I'd give her about a 7. Okay. Well, it's possible you can turn her loose in our role play archive and she can do all okay. of the work for you. Otherwise, like typically with offshore VAs, we find that keeping them away from the details, making it a very superficial conversation is usually what works best. Like, I just, I'm in a chat. I'm calling for Mark. He's at an appointment, but he, he wanted to see if he, if he could get you on the calendar for tomorrow or possibly Monday. Which of those days would work better for you? What's this about? Oh, well, Mark actually has a team. We have a team of folks right here in Florida that help families going through probate. And he was down at the clerk's office last week and realized your family's going through that. So he just wanted to introduce himself and our service. It just takes a few minutes just to see if there's any way that you guys could benefit from what we do. So what would Friday at 3 or Monday at 5 be the best time to put you on the calendar for Mark? And it's it's a it's a high like a very superficial. They're not getting into the details or specifics about what you do, what the service does, and they're trained to just defer all questions to the appointment. Like defer, defer, defer. That way they don't get wrapped around the axle, and it just creates even more curiosity for your phone call. So that's kind of where we start. Most inexperienced VAs or ISAs, even our ISAs, were pretty much trained on these phone calls between mastermind and role play. If, if you have a, a level seven salesperson working as a VA, they can very quickly get you all the way to the front door, the face-to-face -face appointment, just by listening to the, to the methodology we teach on these calls. 
I think there are 58 hours of archived role play content. So you've got quite a library for them to train in. Okay. As far as contacting or mailing attorneys, would you suggest once a quarter? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's it's really like the personal representatives. Like until you know them all, keep mailing. Yeah. Like just okay. Just keep reaching, keep reaching out to the attorneys until you until they've said they don't want a relationship with you, or you have that relationship. It's actually much easier to manage with the attorneys because. They might rotate every 20 years, where with personal representatives, you have a new batch every 30 days. So you're constantly, you know, it's just like a sales career. You're unemployed every morning. But with the attorney, right. you're building career-long relationships. So if you're diligent and just keep hammering the list, eventually you will know every attorney in town, probably within the year, if you're diligent. Okay. And, and once, you, question, once you have one of those... Like Once what? you have one of those attorneys, ask for an introduction to some of their peers. The attorneys that I know, especially in the estate and probate niche, they're more than happy to introduce me to other estate probate attorneys, guardianship attorneys that are peers of theirs. They have no problem with that. And that's, a, that's another really easy way in the door with an attorney once you have a peer-to-peer -peer introduction. Well, that's good to know. I actually had a probate attorney contact me the other week. It's just kind of coincidence. They're just starting the, uh, you know, all the lead. And so we had a conversation. We met, and now I was going to follow up with him, of course, but I'll ask him for other uh, referrals. Kind of in that same vein, I'm starting to develop. I'm a real estate agent, and I'm trying to develop my YouTube channel. And, you know, I always hear that, you know, the riches are in the niches. And I was wondering your thoughts on kind of focusing on probate and bringing up topics of conversation either on my own or interviewing this other attorney that I met and developing the channel in that way. What are your thoughts on that? Go do it. We talked about it two or okay. three mastermind calls ago. We talked about that as well, and you can find that in the archive. But what I would recommend is don't have multiple channels, and this is what we discussed on the previous call. Rather than managing multiple channels and fragmenting your traffic, Focus on one yep. channel, and you can have playlists. You could have a probate attorney playlist, a probate family playlist, a first-time homebuyer playlist. That way, people, you're not painting yourself into a corner where people think you just do probate. So if they find you on YouTube, right. you, they can identify with the playlist that, that fits their situation. But absolutely, man, like uh, the more people you can interview, like every team member, every vendor on your team, you should at, the, at a minimum do a Zoom call with them and say, you know, this is Jack Harper. He is our Class A contractor. Jack, how did we meet? And just jump into an interview, just a man-to-man -man conversation, and let people see that you're real, you're real, and you have a team. Now, the one thing I will caution you is your competition can be watching that. So you may want to keep that as an unlisted playlist and just send the link out as part of your marketing campaign. So that way you can present the link to the people you want to see it and the other people don't see it. But things like that, like interview contractors, interview nursing home employees, interview probate attorneys, interview senior moving companies, and then those become amazing follow-up email links. So well, listen, Mary, I, I'm, it's really great talking with you. I know that there's a lot we can do to help. Um, before I get there on Friday, I'm going to send you two links in an email. One is me speaking with a local probate attorney about why you should have representation. 
because I know you guys don't have an attorney. The other is actually from our insurance professional, and he's the one that, that underwrites our vacant house policies. And those are the two things I see I can help you right now by getting your assets protected and getting you proper legal representation before we proceed with anything else. So can you can you commit to watching those two five-minute videos before we meet on Friday? Okay, great. I'm really looking forward to meeting you guys, and uh, I'll, I'll see you on Friday at 3. And then immediately when you set the appointment, get off the phone, fire that email, and now they have a, they're starting to build a relationship with your team before you even get there. And they realize you're cut from different cloth. You're not typical. You're not just a real estate agent. And those are things where even if it's unlisted, it's very useful. Like it can be a great follow-up tool. Okay, perfect. Hey, thanks again, and I'll report back with some results in a month or so. Sounds great, Mark. Thank you. Next up is phone number ending in 6419. You're up next. Hello? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Go ahead. My name is Carlos. I have a question, guys. Uh, have you ever, uh, do you have any experience with the ex parte petition? I'm running on a, on a situation where the, uh, there was three parties on title, but one uh, gave up the, the rights on the, on the property, and the, one of the sisters died, but they didn't file out for, uh, for probate, and it was a community property. And uh, now the, the, they find a, uh, an attorney, and he said he was going to do an ex parte petition. Um, I would reach out to the attorney and just have that conversation directly with, with them if the family's okay with you doing that. You know, it's a good opportunity for you to learn that part of the process. I have never dealt with one myself, but if, if I were in your position, I would just try to set up a meeting with the attorney where I could, you know, just say, listen, we've, we've been working with the family. We certainly don't want to get in the way. We actually want to, you know, be a good partner and help you speed this along even more. So can you answer a few questions and just make contact with the attorney, let them know what you can do to help speed the process along from a non-legal perspective. And they should appreciate that and answer all your questions. Okay. And one, one other question, guys. I have been doing my calls. Sometimes the county has the administrator for the state, right? So do you approach them to ask for like the, the real estate uh, part of the of the estate process? I think it's important to contact the administrators. If it's an assigned administrator, yes, you do. And if you do a good job, you create value for them in the same ways that you would an attorney that we've been talking about on this call. Create value for them. That's a, an amazing way to to get future referrals from them because if they're the administrator on on this deal, uh, they're going to be the administrator on a lot of future cases as well as um, probably administrate uh, administering many different types of real estate deals. So uh, yes, you definitely want to reach out to them, uh, provide as much value as possible, and use the same language that, that we've been talking about on this call with attorneys to establish those relationships. You might even want to ask them if you can interview them and, okay. and kind of use their expertise. So you're boosting up their ego. You're, you're asking them if you can use their expertise to be able to, to bring more business into the system for them and uh, the attorneys that they work with. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's great. And just, just so you know, Carlos, earlier in this call when we were talking about fiduciaries, that is a public administrator in the state of California. They use the term fiduciary. So everything we talked about earlier about fiduciaries, if you weren't on, jump, jump back and listen to that. Um, that will give you some ideas on how to approach them. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Next up is phone number ending in 0229. You're up next. Hi. Can you hear me? This is Graziano. Yes, sir. 
Hi, I just started to create the website with all the links, and uh, my question is related to the email campaign. If you can recommend the, I don't know, an autoresponder that works better. I have a subscription with the PropStream, and uh, if it can be used for what all the leads doesn't do. So you're looking for email drip campaign? Yeah. So we don't have it yet. That's one of the things we are working on is actually building that out so you guys don't have to struggle through doing it yourself. We don't have it ready right now, but I recommend using MailChimp. Okay. One of the tips from the trainer's videos that we have, if you go to alltheleads.com and in the, in the search bar in the top right, and Kat will also link it in the show notes, type in email. There's a tips from the trainer video that shows you how to do a very simple, how to use Google canned responses or Google templates to do it, like just as sending sending one one individual emails. And then also... Okay. How to how to get set up and use Mailchimp automation? It's a lot of list management. If you're doing it manually through Mailchimp list, each month you need to upload your list, and it's not a lot of management. It's just each month you need to go in and actually you know up, uh, add that new list to your Mailchimp list, and then build out your what what Mailchimp calls an automation, is what they call their their email drip. The simple way is just have a if you use Gmail, have a canned response or a template. Uh, right click send the email you can fire them off in a couple of seconds while you're on, while you're making the phone calls or you can start to do the the full automation and drip campaign using mailchimp and there's a lot of reasons like mailchimp is very affordable your first 2000 leads on the list are actually free there's no subscription price very easy to use from a usability standpoint. It's easy to design with. One of the bigger reasons is you don't have to prove your opt-in, so you can actually upload the email. You know, you can upload a cold list and start emailing it immediately. So Mailchimp is the tool that I would I strongly suggest, and that video should help give you some ideas on copy and and how to execute that. Thank you very much for the suggestion and the same suggestion for a system that can deliver directly in the voice mailbox directly a message. I would like to, let's say, uh, hide my accent at the beginning in order to create uh, curiosity about my website and have them that pulls the for, uh, put the information back on the website. We're being very careful in this space right now. So my, my advice to you is don't use ringless voicemail in this environment because a lot of attorneys are looking for ways to make revenue because their business has been cut. So litigation has skyrocketed as it does in most recessions, but more so in this one because people were just, their income was just cut off and they still had staffing costs. So a lot of attorneys have learned now that you can very quickly drag someone to a class action suit, shake them down and settle them out and never sees a courtroom. They can get a quick 10 or 20 grand out of you and move on to the next guy. So I would be okay. very, very careful with any ringless voicemail product. Now, because of that change in, in the environment, one of our partners has actually started a new service that they call Voicemail Courier. So they use live callers to, so it's not a, a violation of TCPA. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to voicelogic.com forward slash all the leads. So voicelogic.com forward slash all the leads. And there's three different okay. three things. There's three different packages. One is the ringless voicemail, which they're basically not even doing anymore. Number two is the voicemail courier, where we, we drop the voicemail using a live caller. 
20% of the people pick up and they actually play the message for them. 80% they just leave the, they leave the message. Um, and then three is they actually do live, they have live individual callers. So you can have a, a, a somewhat custom trained ISA make the calls for you based on what you want them to say. But that page is set up to kind of put everything in one place and it has the, the pricing that they extend to our customers. But um, that would that would be where I would point you instead of doing ringless voicemail, I would try the voicemail courier from VoiceLogic. Okay, understood, very clear. I was thinking to do with the personal representative, not with attorneys, uh, because I had the feeling of what you said, but uh, the suggestion was logic.com, uh, if you wait. I will uh, look at Thank you. Yeah, sure. Good morning. It's Joyce Orenson Morris in Orange County, California. Hi, Joyce. Hey, Joyce. I'm intrigued about the, the Facebook discussion we've had on this call. Is, is there a way that you can recommend that we can learn how to do that? Bruce and I have actually discussed this, and we need to sit down and just make a course. It's, it's probably a... I would say it's probably a two-hour course to really unpack the conversation and give you all the how-to. So it, it is something we're, we're looking at doing, Joyce. It has been coming up over and over, so I think we're going to design like a Facebook mini-course for probate. Oh, that would be great. I will be your first student. <laughs> okay. okay. You got it. We'll sign you up now, and ho ho hopefully Orange will be back soon, Joyce. Appreciate you pointing that out. <laughs> okay. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Sure. Next up is phone number ending in 9711. You're up next. Hey, can you hear me? This is James McRae. Yes, sir. Hey, Richmond, Virginia. Real quick. Well, I know our courts aren't open right now, and I was going to joke, joke Joyce and say, well, people stop expiring in Orange County. They're, they're living longer. Yeah, they, they cured great. death. That's great. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they have the money for it, so what can I say? Hey, real quick, with phone calls in the upstate New York area, I guess you're not really allowed to make phone calls to probate leads in upstate New York, or is there a way to do that, to make phone calls in that area? I got a little update on that. So we've had some conversations in regard to what the – now, Chad, I ask you to be quiet and let me talk. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be a good boy. Hey, sit, Chad. <laughs> sit, Chad, sit. Um, so we've, we've had, obviously, there's a lot of people in New York. We have a lot of folks there that are extremely interested, and obviously there's a problem with state, and we understand that. The issue right. is that you're not allowed to call unless you have a previous relationship with the customer or the customer has asked you to contact them. Then, in fact, right. you can do that. You cannot make a cold call. So I would urge you not to take my word for it. Don't act on what I said, but do this. Um, you know, New York State Bar Association has a helpline. They'll tell you the same thing. Call the 800 number, and they'll express the same thing I told you. So the way to accomplish that, at least to be able to reach out to some of it, would be to send an email, send a, send a letter out, and in that letter, Ask them to come back to your website and register so that you can contact them, and you can help them during this period because a lot of people are sitting there not knowing what to do with their probate properties right now, and that kind of letter might be well-received. You just can't make a cold call. Okay. Great. All right. Next up is phone number ending in 7976. Welcome, Renee. Hello. Quick question on the follow-up from 
from earlier. I'm coming across a lot of people that look like they have owned this property for a long time, like 10 or more years. And one of two things. One is either the now personal representative looks like their name is the owner. So maybe they just, you know, had it transferred over. Or again, it's just kind of been in the family for a really long time. So do we just keep mailing those people? Because there's kind of a lot of them. You know, I don't want to just keep spending money on somebody who's not going to bother to tell me we're keeping it, but I keep mailing to them. Any thoughts on that? Um, The one thing I would say is, like, the fact that they didn't probate the estate and let that go on for years and years and years without actually dealing with it, that tells you that they probably master procrastinators, right? Like, they're they're pretty good at putting things off. So Mm -hmm. consider that they might not be returning your call because they're just not whole good they're not very good at this whole adulting thing potentially your letter will land on a day where they have a breakthrough and that's when you get to come list me call if you're you know burning through your budget and and you have other leads to reach out to and focus those dollars yeah i would say if you've touched them multiple times they shouldn't be a priority but understand that there, there probably is still some deals in there just they're just not that responsible and they don't return calls or emails and eventually they will when they feel enough pressure yeah okay it was more of a reiteration question that's what i'm thinking i may just take some of those dollars and kind of recycle them into the newer people and then call you know i don't mind going back through and calling and i make notes for all these things and hashtags but i think it's more the dollars spent on the mailers that's the that's the thing right now for the budget but okay thank you all right next up we got three more in the queue should take us up to the top of the hour nicely. Next up is phone number ending in 1202. You're up next. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, just a quick question. I'm thinking about signing up with you guys uh, with the probate list. As, um, I was wondering if you guys had any statistics uh, being the first touch on that list being a cold call with regards to compared to uh, direct mail. So it's hard to track everybody's statistics collectively because once the leads leave, everyone has different different behaviors, right? And it doesn't ring back to us. But the reason we recommend the two in tandem is based on our experience on the stuff we could track when we were like using this in our own businesses. For me, I just found the the cold calls were way warmer if I had already put if I put a letter out in front of me and I referenced that letter. A lot of times you're still leaving voicemails and referencing the letter will make them go look for that letter and realize your letter looks a lot, your offer looks way different than everyone else's offer. So oftentimes the the letter will get there, it won't get their attention, the phone call, the voicemail will get the, the letter, the attention it deserves, and then you'll get the inbound call back. So it, it's you're going to get the best result using them in tandem. Now, we certainly have people who call before their letters hit, and they just change the script up a little bit. And we have people that don't send letters at all, but the people who get consistent results and, and get the highest conversion rates are doing it in tandem. They're, they're tying the two together as a true marketing campaign. Awesome. Would that be at the same timeline? Like, what would the timeline look like? For example, you get a list, you send a letter first, and then you wait a week or so, or how does that work? So you try to land your call within the day of or the day after the letters hit. So for me, like, I send, I, I order mail on Thursdays. It fulfills on Fridays, and I make calls on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You get two to three business days for, for first-class postage. So if, if it hits the mail, like Friday, Saturday, Monday, then on Tuesday, everyone should have gotten that. In order to, to be sure, we actually seed, 
seed your list with your own name and address, so you'll get a copy of your own letter. That way you know you have a, sign, a, a signal in the mailbox that says, hey, it's time to call this, this list for this letter. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to working with you guys. Same here, and all right. Phone number ending in 7754. You're up next. Howdy. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just had a quick follow-up question about the upstate New York uh, ban right now and cold calls. And was uh, does that just apply to licensed agents, or just, is that everybody? Because I'm marketing in Florida, but come across a lot of um, owners, personal reps with New York numbers. Are you licensed in New York? I am not. Nope. I mean, that is specifically for, that. I, as far as I know, that's specifically for licensed agents in New York. But I would tell you this, probably something you should, that, that helpline for the, the you know, New York State Association of Realtors is free. It's not going to cost you anything to get on it. Be smart about it. I would at least urge you to go take a look. I doubt that you're going to have an issue there because you're not in state. But I'm not, I'm not an attorney and I'm not a member of the New York State uh, Board of Realtors either. So you should check. All right, will do, and I'll, I'll be the, uh, the second member sign-up behind Joyce on the uh, Facebook thing. For uh, Thanks, guys. All right, we had another person jump in the queue. Chad, I know you're driving, okay. so let's take them. Hi, so my name's Larry. Uh, I'm here in Michigan in Oakland County. We just started, actually, the program, and our first listing went out in, I want to say, late March, early April, so just about the worst time. And what I was wondering is two things. First, skip tracing. I noticed that some of the phone numbers are coming back and cannot be reached. Do we know, are the phone numbers before we get them, are they verified that they're working numbers, or how does that work? If a personal representative phone number recorded on public record, which is very rare, we give you that as the top phone number. The next phone number down begins our proprietary skip trace process, and there's four slots there. So you could have up to five phone numbers, and they're based on the order that we believe how accurate they are. Now, if we can't find a John Doe in, a John Doe in Detroit, we'll look for... Any, any double match point associated with John Doe in Detroit. So you may get Jane Doe, his wife. If the numbers aren't correct, you know, we do our best to find the most, the most recent and the most valid phone numbers. But it, it, is a, it is an art, not a science, so there's no guarantee. But they are coming from us, and we have, you know, based on what tracking we've done, we find that our numbers are about 95% accurate if you... But some, some are not going to be. That's just the nature of it. But we do our best. And I would say, you know, based on our experience, it, you're, you're unlikely to do any better because we do take a pretty exhaustive approach at it. Sure. All right. Well, thanks. My, my only second question is, um, you know, coming in at this time, obviously I don't have any other experience. I'm wondering for the more experienced guys, if you guys could tell me what the volume is like as far as, um, you know, letters going out, the amount of listings, and you guys see it increasing, decreasing, because I'm calling, 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 and I'm literally getting nowhere. Um, we normally have 300 leads a month. I called, I looked the other day, uh, 444 times, and I haven't even got a single appointment yet. Oh, I think I'm correct. We got one appointment. It's interesting. You're really the only person I've heard that from. I, I've, I was really surprised how engaged the family stayed with with our our subscribers and everyone seems to be 
going extremely well, like almost unimpacted. Obviously, as you heard with Joyce, some of our members can't get leads, and in those counties, kind of nothing is happening, but not with the families or the courts or, or our subscribers. But otherwise, people are doing really well. Like we've we've had a lot of success stories over the last couple of months. It could be just the, the culture, like if, if people are, I guess, better behaved, like if they're taking social distancing more seriously and they're just not doing anything, or if, if they've, you know, decided to just, well, we're just going to check out and play with, our, like, hang out with our families and not work too hard or deal with much over this time. It could, it, I don't know if you see that in, in your local culture, that could be the reason. But across the board, like across the country, I've been really pleasantly surprised at how engaged most everybody has stayed. And they still, even though they're, they're, they're at home, they're still trying to move the ball down the field and, and interacting with our subscribers. What time of day are you making phone calls? Um, I'd say anywhere between noon to five. Okay. Have you, have you thought about, have you thought about making calls in the evening as opposed to that time of day to vary it up a little bit? I haven't switched it up yet. That's yeah, I would, I would add to, I would add to that. Like Saturday morning, about ten to one is usually good. Also, for the ones you can't, because okay, some people, like Tim, yeah, where Tim was going, some people just, if they're not going to answer the phone during that time of day, change up your call times a bit. That's a great idea. I interrupted you, Tim. Go ahead. Have you guys no. heard anything about Macomb or Oakland County? Um, I've had a few people tell me that they wanted really backlog. You're going to find issues with every court system in the country for various reasons. Some of them are simply staffing and personnel reasons. Some of them are courts themselves have shut down. I mean, you know, it's a challenging time. But what you should be working for is to build up a book of customers that if there are things that, you know, you're, you're going to run into along the way, once you've gotten through this period of time and people are coming back and doing, you know, I mean, I don't, know, I don't really specifically know how state of Michigan is and what the, you know, COVID rates are and all of that. Everybody's watching it pretty closely all over the country, but it's, it's a pretty good barometer for what's going on. I don't know that we've not, I don't think we're aware of closings there. I think we're continuing to get leads, but it's obviously been affected. But the other side of this is that you should be reaching people at home if they're self-quarantining or they're staying home or working from home. You may get them, but also if they're working from home, they may not take personal calls during the day because, in fact, they're working from home. So I think one of the things you should definitely shoot for is start making some evening calls, make some weekend calls, and see if that helps you get some better contact rates, and then you're going to get into some better conversations. Fair enough. Well, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate all your experience and all your help. All right. We have Cheryl Long. Are you there? Yes, I am. Thank sure. you. Sure. Um, sure. Go ahead. I just wanted to – I'm up in Monroe County, New York, and um, to the – person that asked the question about the callers and the agents I because I can't call from what I understood and I got that information from all the leads so thank you very much because I was calling when I first signed up and when I was told that we aren't supposed to call because I attend our our RIA meeting and I had some discussions with people at the meetings and they kind of confirmed it I shouldn't say kind of they basically confirmed what I was told that we aren't supposed to be cold calling and they're a very conservative bunch. Um, there's a lot of legal stuff that's going on up here with regards to mostly rental stuff, but they're very much into what the real estate laws and everything are right now. But they never said anything specifically about whether agents versus non-licensed agents, whether there was a differentiation about who could call and who couldn't. So 
I'm going based on, because right now I'm in the process of getting my license, and they knew that, so they would have said something to me if there was a difference. So in answer to yep. that question. Yeah, our understanding is it's not a law. It's a Board of Realtors edict or a policy it is our understanding. But like Tim said, verify that. And if that is true, that would make sense. If you're not licensed, then the Real Estate Commission doesn't have any authority over you. You know, I, I, okay. I don't. So that that's good to know, though. So investors, if you're calling as an investor or, you, you know, if you're just, just not if you don't have a real estate license, it, it sounds like you'd probably be okay. But that's good to know. Thanks for the input. So that being said, then, if you are, if you have somebody else calling that is not a licensed agent, are they able to call? Well, no. Yeah, you're, a, you're, no. yeah you're, gonna, you're, in, you're in a gray area there because the reality is if you are, if you are, they're calling on your behalf, it's you that's calling, and if you are a licensed agent and you hire someone to make the calls for you, you're not, you're not, that's not comes not an arm issue there. Right. So if I'm an unlicensed agent and I'm partnered with an, a licensed agent, that then makes me a licensed agent in that regard. Is that correct? I'm going to, I'm going to stop you and say this is truly not something that we ought to be advising you about. And I really, I really okay, say no, that. And, I understand. And, and to be fair, to be fair, I understand. we don't get legal we advice. Don't get <laughs> we want to do put you in the box. I get that. I get that. All right, my, guys. My, go, ahead. go ahead. That's fine. I'll, I'll. Did you have a follow-up question okay. or something else you wanted to add? Well, yeah. If you're if you're working in conjunction with somebody that is in another state, does it the same rules then still probably apply? So it's never mind because we're still getting into legalese with with where I was going with yeah, so I'll, prob I'll defer. Prob probably so and the good news is I think the first week of September you guys are you're getting you're going to get uh, released from the do not call jail and you'll be able to actually get back to work it's been a, I know it's been a tough prolonged period of time for you and we empathize with you for sure yeah, and but I, uh, I one, literally it's a free helpline an 800 number to call the New York State Association of Realtors hotline, and they'll gladly talk to you, and they'll answer these questions for you pretty straightforwardly, and they want everybody to get back to work. It's to their advantage to do that, so I would call them. And Yeah, I want to do that because just the activity with the people in our RIA meeting, things are moving. It's just a matter of being able to get a hold of the people that are on our list, yep. so that, it's encouraging at least that, you know, our cash buyers, as he's getting calls all the time to buy and sell, so... I'm like, all right, I'm waiting to get some stuff to get to you. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your patience. Kat tells me that we have someone in the queue that wants to share a success story. So we're going to go one more caller, and then we're going to wrap it up. Maria, you're up last. Phone number ending in 7754. So I have two questions. I have been working with this. I have been working with a personal representative since March. I met up with him about two or three weeks ago, and he's been kind of reluctant to sign his listing agreement with me, We, but he wants to sell his house with me. Uh, I've already introduced him to our, well, I've already given him an offer via our My Cash Buyer investor, but he does not want to sign anything until he gets his paperwork from the attorney, and, you know, it's, this has been since March, and I just met up with him. Uh, Memorial Day weekend because of the restrictions that we've had due to COVID. Um, when I followed up with him last week, he said that he still wants to go ahead and move forward with uh, um, the cash offer, but he just doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to do anything until he has the paperwork from his attorney. So what paperwork? Um, he is waiting for the 
letters of testamentary and the I asked them for the probate application. I asked them for the death certificate, and I asked them for the will. You're and in Texas, he doesn't right? Have, I'm in Texas. Yes. So unless he is, unless he has petitioned the court and gotten granted monument of title, he doesn't have the authority to sign the agreement. So even if you get him to sign it, it's not valid and enforceable. So he's actually right in this case. He should wait until okay. he has he has the letters. Otherwise, it won't be a valid a valid contract. Okay, so I just basically got to keep incubating him. <laughs> well, what you can do to secure your position is prepare a letter of intent for the bot for the purchaser, and have them sign that. Deliver that to the seller and have them sign that. And do go ahead and do an agency disclosure document, even though it's not an agency relationship. It's an LOI, not a contract. Just as a CYA, just have him sign. You know, uh, just. And you could actually write that into the letter of intent. Like, you know, okay. seller seller agrees that when granted authority as the administrator, they will list with ABC brokerage. Buyer agrees that they are unrepresented. They are offering, you know, $55,000, you know, the terms of the deal. And then everybody just signed the same letter of intent. The brokerage, so, the buyer, and the seller. I've worked a couple of deals with these same investors. And so I actually represent both sides in... Just thought I'd let that put that out there. Um, well, that's that's why yeah. I was recommended agency disclosure because dual agency okay. is a powder keg. Like I don't believe in it. When I represent investors, I actually leave them unrepresented, and I have them sign an unrepresented party addendum because I don't ever want to be standing in front of the real estate board defending my license just because I got two sides of a commission. I can take the commission without the risk by doing it that way. So you might consider that as just leave your investors unrepresented. They don't need it. Okay. Okay. So you said a dual agency disclosure? Well, if you're going to to act as a dual agent, which I'm suggesting you don't, but if you okay. if you are, then you need to disclose dual agency in the letter of intent, like you're intending to represent both parties. It's just being extra careful. What I'm suggesting, instead of doing dual agency and disclosure, I'm suggesting that you get the purchaser, your investor, to sign an unrepresented party addendum, and then you sign a you get you can include that language in the letter of intent. You know, investor is not is unrepresented in this transaction. Seller's intent is to list to sign an exclusive right to represent seller agreement with ABC brokerage whenever they have the authority. Purchaser is offering. You can roll all this language into one letter of intent. It's not okay. really it's not a valid enforceable contract either, but it's a it's a mental commitment to the deal. And that should eliminate any risk of losing it to competition or people getting like and that gives you a chance to set a proper expectation with both the buyer and the seller. That listen, we've we've solidified this deal. We've shaken hands. Now we're at the mercy of the court and their backlog. So this could take weeks or maybe even months. But it will. We will go to a purchase agreement as soon as we can. But okay. that, and that should uh, should lock your deal up, and and it'll be there whenever whenever the courts can get his hearing. You know, whenever they can give him his appointment. Well, he actually had his appointment on June the 11th. Um, it was a you know. A teleconference appointment or hearing. So okay, everything. So and we and we chances met the next are you're day just waiting. Yeah, you're probably just waiting on the clerk to get out of the pile of paperwork that <laughs> that COVID created for her. Okay. Right. And by the way, Maria, I re went back and reread Kat's comment. You're the lady who recently shared a win with us. You took a couple listings. <laughs> so you're. I so am. Kat was. 
Yeah, Kat was referencing that, not that you had one today. So thank I you so much for participating. Winner, I was supposed to get winner of the week that time, but I, I was at the grocery store and the call dropped, but I, I should have been winner of the week that, that I, week. I believe you were. <laughs> I, be, I believe you were. I'll have, Cindy, I'll have Cindy get in touch with you again. So congratulations, uh, you know, retroactively on, on, on winner of the week for that week. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. This was an extraordinarily long call. We appreciate your patience. We had great attendance. We had great participation. I want to thank all of you for being here, particularly thank those who actively participated. I want to challenge each of you, take one idea, one thought, one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice and come back next week and share the results with the group. Make it a great week. Stay healthy, and we will talk to you soon.